Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. Hi, Amy. We're back with Better Family Travel. How are you? Good, Kathleen. Happy snowy February. So I'm really excited about today's guest. I want to introduce you to Jen Kramer. She is going to have a ton of information to share for us. You know, we've had the interview with her and we're about to share it with you, all of you who are listening. Get ready to listen to what she says about re-experiencing childhood childhood locations and creating new memories from those, uh, how to have well-planned flights, where to stay, where to save money, how to enjoy your time um, and let go of some of the things that can be obstacles to enjoying the moment when you're on a trip. She has traveled extensively locally in the U.S. and across many borders and has a lot to share. She's traveled alone and with her kids. um, And I think that there's a lot to be gained from listening to some of her insights. So I'm excited to share that interview. I'm really, really excited for this. Before we get to our interview with Jen, I just want to talk about or touch on future topics because we've talked a lot about travel, but I want to make sure and it's important to me that we're talking about it within context and not unrealistically. There's there's been kind of to me it's feeling like a growing, you know, the elephant in the room, the the finance, the money piece, and we're not all starting off in the same place and we can't all figure out today how to afford certain trips. And I think what you and I most more than anything want to get at is travel is a mindset. And whether we're going around, you know, a path like in the woods, because that's where we're at or what we have time for or the resources for at the time, the mindset with which we approach travel is the same, whether it's those short trips or whether we're flying around the globe. And so I don't want people to get the attitude or the thought that it's this is a keeping up with the Joneses because this is the last thing. The trips that are right for you and the travel that's right for you and your family are the travel that's right in you and your family. And you shouldn't compare yourselves to others, but we can learn from others and how they've done stuff opens up a world of possibilities, how they figure it out, how to afford it, how to planet, how to manage, you know, whether it's, you know, a hidden, hidden illness, or whether it's, you know, traveling to relatives in Italy, there's so much we can learn to talking from other travelers and take pieces of that and apply it to what it's right for us. So we're gonna I know you and I are going to pick up on these themes in future podcasts. But I just wanted to lay that out straight, because the last thing I want to do is make people think that they can't keep up or this is not for them. Because if you have a heart of a traveler, then this is the place that you need to be. And I think something that you're going to hear Jen saying a little bit is that one of the biggest gifts that we can give our kids is the bravery to travel and the confidence to travel. And if we can just get going now with little decisions, little trips, and begin to make movement and experiences part of your habits, then they will become adults who are confident and are able to open up the world to their own families and can continue to reach out into the community and into the world around us and not feel that, what is it, the uh, paralysis of indecision that we've talked about. Analysis paralysis, you know, exactly. Um, And so, yes, travel can be costly, but 
there are also ways to embrace the mindset of travel that little by little helps you move in the direction of what may right now feel like an unattainable trip. But maybe at the end of the day, you'll look back and think, wow, I got there and and didn't even see it coming. So, you know, starting with the enjoyment of what you are capable of doing and absorbing the experiences of others may be just enough for now. And so that's what we're here for. Awesome. And with that, let's get to our interview with Jen. Amy, I wanted to introduce Jen to you because she seems kind of like a kindred spirit to us. She's a full-time working wife and mother of two. And we were just we were just chatting about your menagerie of pets that you have at your house, including your 33-year-old Newt that has also traveled, you said, from Minnesota to the East Coast. <laughs> He's traveled from Minnesota to Connecticut, and then uh, the cat traveled from Seattle to Worcester. (laughs) Without tranquilizers? (laughs) I could have used some tranquilizers. (laughs) Was that pre-kids? Pre-kids or post-kids? Post-kids. But the kids were not with us. Okay. The kids were happily at home, so. Well, Jen, I can tell you that Kathleen had identified you as someone that she was dying to talk to, because I know that she has followed your adventures from afar at least and there when we first were starting to talk about guests she said I want to talk to Jen and I want to figure out how she does what she does because I think I want to kind of do something like that too so I know she has a list of questions for you and so I can't wait to hear this conversation so when I when I see your name on Facebook when Jen Kramer pops up I go right to you because I want to see what pictures you have you know what posts you have but I am also aware that as I've mentioned in previous episodes there's that facebook sharing that we do where we show the best pictures of the most fun that we're having and i i the most recent one i think was your iceland trip is that correct we've been a lot more places since iceland oh my gosh Um, iceland was I mean, what I generally do is I don't share anything until after we're back for safety reasons. But, you know, you don't want to put too many pictures up because everyone, I get frustrated when people post like 50 pictures. And I'm like, well, I only want to see like five. So I try, <laughs> I try to skinny it down and, you know, post a mix of family and uh, cool things to look at. But yeah, we've been a few more places since Iceland. Nothing, nothing as extravagant as Iceland, though, I would say. I, I do want to point out the, the really important tip that you just mentioned, though, that was something that Brett introduced to me as our family began traveling together, I was definitely ready to post on Facebook pictures. We're in the car and we're on our way out yeah. on a vacation. And he was like, can you not do that? Because now everyone knows we're not home. I thought, oh everyone my goodness. Everyone knows I'm... your house is empty. Empty. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Such an important point. We do the same thing. We we save everything for when we get back. Yeah. So it's funny because you Facebook memories come up and they're a little lagging and it's like, I'm like, Oh, a year ago we did this or five years ago. Well, almost five years ago. It was yeah. kind of around the time. Five years ago we came back and I posted about it. So. Yeah. And it, it's so hard not to want to like throw everything up there because you know, I, we have a lot of uh, family that we don't see a lot and they're like, Oh, I love seeing the pictures. And I'm like, I would love to share it right now, but you know, my house is going to be empty for another five days. So I'm not going to do that. Do you share pictures? pictures with your families your family another way do you send the in-laws direct texts with pictures do you have like a shutterfly account that you share pictures with so i'm not a huge text person (laughs) 
I don't do Shutterfly. I don't do uh, Twitter. I don't do any of that. So Facebook is really my only outlet for sharing the photos. And I share it with my parents and my sister, but through like, uh, I'll just text them the pictures. Yeah. But I don't do that with Scott's family just because I don't know how they would take to that. And I think they'd be fine with it, but they might also be like, why is she sending me this stuff? I do tend to keep it onto one platform, which I think is, I don't know, I find it easier anyways, because then I know everything's in one place, you know, and if I have to go back and erase anything, which I also do that frequently, I go and remove pictures with the kids in them because I don't want the kids being out in the ether forever <laughs> yeah. right. so I'll go and I'll erase those but everything is in one place and I know where it is and that's how I pretty much get to everybody that wants to see it that sounds yeah. great did you have a question Amy looks like you wanted to say something oh no I was just curious Jen how old are your kids Right now, they're 10 and 12. Okay. Sometimes and both... I think they're 5 and 18, but, you know, <laughs> we all have those days, right? Mm-hmm. And you and your husband both work full-time? We do. And we're both full-time. He's full-time from home right now, and I'm, I'm about 50-50. But usually, we would, we're still full-time 40 hours. You right. Know, and kind of check in on them here and there when they're at home. But <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So, Amy, I had sent you... A list of some of the places that Jen has been. Did you see that extensive list? <laughs> I can name just a couple of them. You went from New England, but you gave me Mexico, Iceland, Canada, France, Poland, Italy, Hungary, South Korea, Singapore, the Caribbean, Germany, France, Czech Republic. I think the list of places that you have been is extensive. You forgot the best one. What's New the best Zealand. one? New Zealand. Okay, that, I brought that one up earlier too. I am dying to know about your trip to New Zealand and how that came about and what your experience was like. Was New Zealand when you were younger? New Zealand was our honeymoon. Actually, it was our second honeymoon because we got married in June. So we did a, in June in New Zealand, it's winter. So we didn't really want to go there. So we did a quick trip to the Caribbean. And then in December, we went back to, or we went to New Zealand on our official honeymoon, I guess. And because it was December, we actually spanned. So here's a, a good travel tip. If you get, if you work for a company that gives you vacation time, we spanned two years. So we got to use vacation from 2006 and 2007. And we stayed for like three weeks or three and a half weeks and did both islands. But you could easily spend an entire month in New Zealand and not have enough time. So it is fantastic. It's everything that you think it's going to be. And it's as beautiful as you see in all the movies that they film there. And I would go back. We thought about moving there. <laughs> you loved it that much. You were there for a long time. Yeah. What I, is it I, like staying in a place for three and a half weeks, though? That's not like, you know, one reservation at a hotel and then checking out and going back home. That's That must have taken extensive planning. So we had a travel planner. You did? Um, yeah, and she specialized in New Zealand. And you know, I don't know if these people exist anymore with the Internet because that was kind of like before the whole you could do anything you wanted on the Internet. You know, basically what we got was we got this packet of materials and like as you flip through it it's like here's your tickets for this tour and be at this place at that time and pick up the car at this time and here's your route to get to the next location and it was like day by day everything we needed all our you know we had planned with her which tours we wanted she gave us some tours like, oh, well, you have to do this that, you know, that we didn't know about. But every minute of every day was pretty much 
planned out up until the point where we were supposed to go on a whale walk and the seas were too rough for three full days and everything got canceled because of weather. So we didn't get to see the blue whales and we didn't get to go on our albatross encounter, but you know. What did you do instead? Fortunately, where we were was in a very remote part of the South Island. And so there wasn't a whole lot to do. We, you know, you, you kind of find things, you know, we, we got in the car and we drove somewhere every single day when our tours got canceled. And we later found out that the road that we were driving on had the most accidents of any road in New Zealand, but no, we, we survived and we had a great time. So. Chad, I'm curious because Kathleen and I have talked on previous episodes about our expectations versus the reality and even looked back a little bit about our family when we were children and how our family traveled. And I'm curious, did your family travel a lot when you were a child and is that where it came from or where did your love of travel come from? So I traveled a lot when I was a kid. My husband did not travel at all. So everything is new to him. And sometimes I have to remember that, hey, he hasn't been to England yet or he hasn't seen Germany. So like, even though they're not on my list of things to do, they're on his list. You know, we have, like I grew up for when we were little, little, I grew up in Northern Minnesota where there's really nothing. Like everywhere you grow up, everyone says, well, there's nothing to see there. Mm -hmm. And then later on you find out, well, there actually was a lot, but you just didn't do it. And um, we were pretty central. Like a lot of kids these days don't know where Minnesota is. So Minnesota is like central and north as far as you can go. So we would get every summer, we would drive somewhere. You know, we would drive to the Badlands. We would drive to, you know, the west and see all the national parks. We would camp. We camped at Yellowstone. We camped at the Grand Canyon. We drove to Florida. We drove every summer. We would fly to New York and we would spend a couple weeks in New York City and doing the Jersey Shore because my we had family there. So that was like, I was the kid in Northern Minnesota who didn't have a Northern Minnesota accent. And uh, you I definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was the kid who like, I'd been to Canada. I'd been to Mexico. I'd been to all, I've been to New York City, you know, and to the point where I don't like New York City. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we went everywhere. And then when when we got old enough that, you know, it wasn't to have to be home on Christmas morning for Santa Claus, we started going places at Christmas. So we would go to Mexico and we would go on cruises of the Caribbean. And, you know, you want to get out of northern Minnesota and see some warm. <laughs> so we'd go south. Yeah, so I've been traveling. I mean, I've been to almost all 50 states before I even got out of high school. And maybe the travel comes from me, but maybe it was pent up from Scott, too. So, like, he wanted to wants to get out but yeah i mean last year was tough we couldn't go anywhere and this what? year's not looking great either so. no it's not do you have a plan right now in 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 the back pocket for where you're going next uh we're supposed to go to cancun to the uh uh the kids really really like the mayan riviera last time we went so the plan is to go there for april vacation we're hoping to be vaccinated and maybe <laughs> we can go but if we don't, you know, last year we did a lot of day trips out to Cape Cod or weekend, weeks to Cape Cod. So we can always do that again. I'm always willing to go back to Minnesota, but that's a, that's a big drive. <laughs> I wanted to ask if you still have family in Minnesota and is your family still traveling? You know, my family did never, never had roots in Northern Minnesota due to just some 
family things. They moved as far away from New York City as they could, and they ended up in Minnesota. And so that's how we got there. So all our family was always somewhere else. I see. So when they retired, and my sister and I are both within an hour and a half of each other, they moved out here after a few years where they decided to go as far away as they possibly could, and they went to to Seattle area. (laughs) Hence the drive from Seattle to Worcester. (laughs) Right. But now they live in outside of Worcester, and we're all like close to each other. But I still, we still go back to Minnesota because I still have friends there. And we dragged the whole family there, not last summer, but the summer before. And we did the sites that I had, I had always been like, yeah, I've been there 10 times. I don't need to go back. But we did those. We went to the Minnesota State Fair. You know, we did all the things that you do if you're a Minnesotan. And that they loved it. (laughs) They loved Minnesota. It's so funny, the things that were accessible to you when you were growing up there and didn't want to do is a like a treat now. Oh, yeah, the things that I was like, oh, we went there every year in school. There's this place that Scott still talks about when he talks about our trip. Everyone he mentions our trip to, he talks about the mine because there's a, uh, there's a mine in Tower, Sudan, Minnesota. It's an underground mine. They, it was pure iron ore and in its in the best form where they didn't have to do all the things that they do to uh, taconite these days because they didn't have the technology to do it. So this was like the purest form. They didn't have to do a lot of work to it to get it to the state where they could make it into steel. But there was also before candle, like they used candlelight and you're underground, like half a mile underground and there's no light. And you go down in these rail, like a little elevator, and then you got this little, I, you almost feel like you're on Indiana Jones because you're in these little railroad cars underground. And the kids thought it was awesome. Scott thought it was awesome. The same level that they bring you to for the tours, they, um, they did neutrino testing. So they would actually shoot neutrinos from northern Minnesota out to like some other site halfway across the country and do all this testing down there. That's cool. Yeah. So, That's cool, you know, sciencey stuff. That's really cool. <laughs> no wonder they liked it. Yeah. So I have a question for you about this specifically, because we talked about memory in our last episode and how neurologically the act of reliving a memory or re-experiencing a memory, when you retell it to somebody, the environment that you're currently in begins to affect how that older memory is re-encoded in your brain. So something that may have been not an exciting memory or a less than pleasant memory can start to have a different edge to it, depending on the joy that's around you while you're retelling this memory, whatever the original state was, we have a little bit of ability to modify that. So you're telling me this, and I'm I'm thinking about our, our memory conversation, and I'm wondering if you found a lot of joy in sharing these experiences with your family, kind of reliving it through their eyes and their experiences. What was that like for you? Or was it not? I mean, it may have just been like, I'm here again. <laughs> well, what was different, so... For me, for the mine, I had been there a dozen times as a kid. But what it, what is different about it when you go back is that, and, you know, maybe Isabel and Benjamin experienced it exactly as I experienced it when I was a kid. But I actually learned something when I went this time because I listened to the tour guide. <laughs> and so I learned something. So it was a totally new experience for me. 
And I wasn't expecting that. So, I mean, that was something great for me. And you know, the fact that they liked going there was, you know, it obviously brought a different dimension into me going there as well. And then some of the other places that we brought them to, you know, being able to share my childhood with them was, you know, it, it brings a different level of joy, you know, like, oh, well, now they understand. And they don't, they didn't truly understand because they went in August and they didn't go in February, but, you know. <laughs> Get yeah. truly experienced Minnesota. That's right. Unless you go in February. <laughs> yeah, you have to go in February. <laughs> <laughs> when they, they, saw, they saw the lake they saw everything that I things that were every day to me and it was nothing it's like they saw it as like a different kind of beautiful and if they went in February they would feel the cold but they'd also see the northern lights so that would be a the positive side of it so I love that quote that you just said a different kind of beautiful I I really that really speaks to me um because there are so many different kinds of beauties and you know we've gone many places on the off season or a lot of times when it's not the typical time you know we went to lake tahoe like on a shoulder season where it wasn't ski and it wasn't summer we had a great time but you know you have to find the different kinds of beauty because that's not what it's being marketed as right then yeah, I mean, how many people plan a trip to northern Minnesota in the winter? They're not going to. <laughs> no one is going there in the winter. But if you did go, you would experience something. You'd see the snow. You'd see the northern lights. You'd see, I mean, it, it's not different in the summer than the winter, but you see darkness. Like, you don't see darkness here ever. And, like, if you go there, I, I assume Iceland is the same way in the winter. You know? It's sort of similar, and but it's totally different from season to season. So I think it's important to see different places in the off season you know except disney disney's the same anytime you go to it (laughs) (laughs) that's true it's kept that way intentionally yeah probably (laughs) so now tell us about a place that you guys all went together as a family that was new to all of you and how did you all experience the what you saw like choose a place that you've been recently you know i'm sure that you and scott were learning things from the environment maybe the kids weren't paying attention to or were you all sort of tuned into the same thing give us a little idea of what that everyone in a new place felt like so the only place that we've been as a family that i hadn't been to before was iceland (laughs) (laughs) and the kids were older it was only a few years ago so they were probably you know eight and ten nine and seven somewhere around there and they got to plan part of it you know we all looked through the books together we all looked at the sites that we wanted to see and there were ultimately things that you know they definitely wanted to see or maybe they weren't so interested so that was going to make that activity extremely painful if we did that and so we kind of set up our days as a family like what are we going to do today what are we going to do tomorrow and you know everything was new for all of us and You know, some of the things you could tell that they just could care less about. And then some of the things they definitely, you know, they they were as excited as we were. So it didn't matter if you were a kid or you were an adult. You know, a a glacial pool is a glacial pool and everyone thinks it's cool. But the fact that they were part of it, I think it added to that, their travel experience. Because it wasn't just mom and dad dragging me somewhere. It was, hey, I wanted to go see this waterfall too. And they definitely loved the trip to Iceland. You know, every, we all love the trip to Iceland. You know, they, I think it was, they were old enough to look back on it. They were old enough to appreciate, you know, the beauty of where we were instead of just being like another, another waterfall or I don't want to go on a hike. You know, 
they were they were able to be part of it in a way that they hadn't been on some of the other trips and so that made it it made it a definite family experience unlike some of the other experiences we've had. If they're not part of the planning experience, are you doing most of the planning of your trips? Whose job is it to kind of put together the itinerary? So Scott does a lot of the planning, mm-hmm. and then I have to tone it down because Scott would be running every minute of the day. Before we had kids, we had planned a trip to Germany, and there was so much stuff that he had put in the itinerary that I was like, I need a week after this to rest. So like when he plans, when we go on a trip, like he'll put all the stuff that he wants, and I'm like, we don't have time for all this. And I'll go through and I'll weed out, okay, well, this isn't, if I've been there before, then I know, well, we don't really need to go there, or we can do that another time, or maybe we make, sometimes we made, we've made lists of, if we have time, we'll go see XYZ. And, you know, sometimes it's just, the weather doesn't work, so you end up at a museum, or... You know, the kids just can't, they don't have the strength to go on another hike or, you know, they don't want to walk around the city that day. So let's get in the car and go somewhere. And as long as you, you might have an itinerary, but as long as it's flexible, I think it works for everyone. And, you know, you'll leave with a better experience than having gone on that hike when it was raining and or walking through New York City when it's 20 degrees and windy. And it gets windy oh, yeah. <laughs> on the avenues. It's like a wind tunnel. Oh, Not yeah. Chicago windy, but pretty windy. Yeah. I think as long as everyone's somewhat included in the planning, it usually goes well. I'm curious because, and not to get into, you know, just generally speaking, you know, in life, we can do many things, but we can't do everything. And with traveling so much and making that so much of your family's priority, are there are there other ways you have to organize your life so that you can free up the time and the resources so that you can devote it to travel? Yeah. <laughs> well, can't, certainly the uh, school has cramped our style a bit, you know, because before, before school, we would specifically avoid school vacations and that would bring the cost down significantly. But now we're like bound by the school holidays, unless you want to, unless they're young enough and you can take them out. But, you know, 12 years old, seventh grade, you can't really pull her out. I don't think we're going to be able to pull her out anymore. Uh, she's got so much work every day that now we're bound by that school schedule. So we have to plan around the school holidays. And in the summer, you know, we have to plan around camps, you know, which, which camps do they want to go to versus, you know, okay, well, are we going to spend a week at the beginning and a week at the end? Or are we going to say, you're not going to camp for the session and we'll do a two week chunk at a time. So like one of our trips, we want to, we want to fly to like um, Denver and then do the Southwest, do all, you know, as many parks in the Southwest as we can. That's going to take a good chunk of time. And so, you know, we'll have to plan around school vacation and around camp schedules so that we can fit that in. Because if it was just a week, you can throw that in anywhere. But a two-week chunk, now you have to, you have to really think about it. So you either do it over Christmas or you do it over the summer. And let me tell you, Southwest at both of those times sucks. So you, <laughs> <laughs> you have to really think about it a little bit. So do you pay for the priority board on Southwest or have you found any? Uh, do you... Um, I fly so much for work that we get priority board anyways. Nice. <laughs> uh, except this year, you know, yeah, with the, the kids and flying, priority board is not your friend, actually. <laughs> Because um, 
you don't want to be on that plane any longer than you have to. Yeah. So the, the big things that we've discovered with traveling with kids and flying is, first of all, pay for the good time. Don't be cheap. Like, if you have to be cheap, I get it. But if you can afford the extra $100 a ticket, don't take the 6 a.m. flight. You take that 9 a.m. because it's going to be a lot easier if your kids are awake and they can walk themselves rather than having to carry them. And, you know, traveling in their pajamas, I see people do it all the time, but I wouldn't advise it because then they're all sweaty and nasty and, just, you know, but you pay for the pay for the good times. Do your kids like flying? Do they enjoy being on the plane and that whole experience? They do. And they're good about it. So yeah. they cry. See, I think this is important because we've only taken our kids on one plane trip. We've done lots of car traveling, but only one plane trip. And that was part of the vacation to our children. Oh, yeah. we, we took a flight that was at a reasonable hour. It was early, but it was a reasonable enough hour that we were excited in the morning before leaving. They loved all the lollipops that they got to carry with them for, you know, their ears. It was all, every little detail about it was old stuff to me, but new to them. And because they were able to be yeah. in a good emotional place, they really enjoyed that whole experience. Yeah. Um, even, even the cool little tiny bathroom on the plane, man, that is like one of the favorite things about flying oh. apparently is that, Oh, no! But but that was special, and so we yeah. talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, once you're on the plane, we've tried multiple configurations, and we've we've decided that the best configuration, as long as you're traveling as a family, and for us, you know, we're a family of four, so we do two and two, you know, front and back of each other, and you make sure you have two window seats because that's necessary. <laughs> And then you can pass things back and forth between the seats. So, like, the kids can pass things back and forth, you know, like the books, the games, whatever. And if you're in a row, that means you have an aisle because you're you always, unless you're, like, in an old DC-10 with five in the middle, you have to, you're going to go across that aisle. It's not exactly the best experience because then you only have one window. Some kids got to sit either in the middle or an aisle, which isn't great. And... You know, passing across the aisle and, you know, getting in the way of other the stewardesses as they travel back and forth. It's just better to be in front and in back of each other. And there's so many things with planes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that opens up a whole new conversation. Activities. Do you have a favorite plane activity? We just let them bring their... Uh, their tech. <laughs> their technology. Yeah. Pick, pick your battles, right? This is yeah. the time. This and is honestly, the time. Most planes these days you don't even have to bring it because it's right in the seat and they just plug in and they can watch tv or they can watch whatever movie they want i like to watch yeah. the map i like to see where we are and just yeah. see the plane go along the coast right <laughs> the map's cool they used to let you listen to the pilots so you could hear the transponders and all the communication but i don't think you can do that anymore i think mm -hmm. uh 9 11 did away with that that was always fun i always liked doing that but I, I'm in aviation, so I, I love that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had any travel disasters? Anything that you would go back and do differently? Not really. I mean, we've had, I will say we've had the best of luck with weather because, you know, we went to New Zealand in December and it rained and it was cold all the time. We went to San Francisco in, I think, July, June or July, and it was cold. 
We brought one pair of pants and one long t-shirt. We wore it every day. San Francisco <laughs> in July is for a New Englander going to California is the biggest. You're like, we. It's cold. I it's know. cold and foggy, it's and you're cold like, cold and foggy every day. Oh my god, it's like being sold a bill of goods. You're like, this was not what I signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> Even with that, I mean, you you make the best of it, and you know the kids, you know they learn from it too. They learn that hey, it's not always what you plan for, and. He also learned a little bit about weather because as we went across the bridge, all of a sudden the fog was gone, you know, <laughs> so they got a little experience there and you don't plan for things like that, but it just happened. And, you know, everyone had a good time. You know, there, there were moments, you know, because everyone gets tired of wearing the same clothes every day. And there were moments with that and there were, you know, tired of the rain. And But, you know, at the end of the day, they don't remember that. They remember that they, you know, went on the boat that went under the big bridge and around Alcatraz and they, you know, even though they didn't say they were big at the time, they now remember seeing the big trees and, you know, they, rem they remember the good things. Even if you don't have to prompt them, they do remember that they saw this thing and it was cool, even if they didn't admit it at the time. You know, their childness gets the best of them in the moment, but later on they do remember that they saw something really cool. And That's a common theme. I've definitely heard from more than one of our yeah. interviewers for sure. <laughs> And when they come back and then they tell their friends about it and you're like, oh, so you did have a good time. But when they when they recall their memories, are they the same things that you and Scott would recall as your favorite parts of trips? Or are you ever surprised by what the kids pull out as like, oh, this was my favorite thing? You know, like airplane bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe not as weird as that, but. <laughs> we have not had the love of airplane bathrooms, but, you know, they Sometimes the things that they remember are the things that I'm just like, yeah, whatever, is like on the Mexico trip. So one of the things with business travel is you get a lot of miles, you get a lot of points, you get upgraded a lot. And when you're going to Cancun, there's not a lot of business people going to Cancun. So the, the people who get upgraded on flights like that tend to fall to non-business travelers. So we got upgraded on a trip to Cancun. So they got to fly first class. And, you know, they both remember that, even though I'm just like, so what? We travel first class. You ate the same peanuts, you know? <laughs> what difference did it make? You know, they remember they remember the sometimes some of the special things that we just think are normal every day. But then there are some things that they're just like, they remember the same way. Like, we all remember the waterfalls in Iceland as being super cool. And, and then there are some truly kid things, like they liked watching the bread being made at Budin in San Francisco, where I was just like, why are we standing here for 30 minutes? But sometimes it is funny. They, they sometimes remember things differently than we do. And I will say that sometimes they, they tend to edit their own memories. <laughs> I was a total grump when I was here. Turns into, oh, that was such a great day. <laughs> or I got to see Chichen Itza. That was so great. And I'm like, you hated every minute of it. What are you talking about? But they remember it as I saw this really cool thing and I'm going to tell my friends about it. And it ends up being a drop in the bucket that they were crabby the whole day. I and feel like those of us listening that have had these experiences are definitely agreeing. Like I've been there. I've heard my kids talk like that. I mean, I, I've even been that way myself. I've done some pretty big mountain climbing and I'm miserable. I've told Amy this before. I'm miserable climbing up those mountains. It hurts. It's not a lot of fun, but man, I have zero 
negative memories at all about any of those ascents because the payoff and the experience of having done it is the whole thing for me. So, you know, I think kids are no different than that. I think oh, yeah. that if, if you're deterred by planning trips with kids because they're going to be grumpy and they won't enjoy every minute, I think that's, we need to no. just normalize this. We need to normalize this. It is normal for kids to be grumpy. That's their job. It's their job to push the limits. It's their job to feel all their feelings big and loud and, you know, not, not censor themselves and self-regulate as well as we do as adults. And we as adults need to know that is part of the phase that will pass. And that on the other end, the memories of all that will be as enjoyable as you yeah. hope they would be you know there are some things that you can do to make them less grumpy and like what um tell us tell us the goal (laughs) so up until this year which we we had a couple instances this year but we have never stayed at a regular hotel with the kids we only stay at like the homewood suites or we all get a you know some kind of house somewhere we'll rent something where they have their own bedroom or they can at least be separate from us so like the homewood suites you can they all the rooms have the adult bedroom is separate and the kid you know the kid area with the pull-out couch is in another space so they can go to bed at their normal time and you don't have to go to bed at 8 30 because you can go retire into your section so you're happier They've gone to bed at the same time that they normally do. They keep their pattern. And then, you know, so that makes them a little better in the morning. I um, agree. That is so important. But I, but how do you make that affordable? How do you find a place that has space for, for adults and children and keep it uh, manageable? Any Home away, vacation rental by owner. Those are almost, I won't say always cheaper, but they're as, they're comparable to regular hotels. And sometimes you're not in the, you know, you're not right downtown. You might be a little withdrawn. Like, you know, in Paris, we stayed at a place that wasn't right in the center. But we ended up with a view of the Eiffel Tower at night. And that was fantastic, even though we were staying across the river. But it turned out to be great. And, you know, sometimes you'll end up, you'll find a place that might be an apartment, like a one or two bedroom apartment. And it'll be right downtown, but you're above everything. And so Home Away, which I think was recently bought by Vacation Rental by Owner, VRBO. Is that, is that Verbo? Yeah. Amy and I have used that. Yep. And there's also um, Airbnb. Yep. In Paris, we used Airbnb. You can find really great little places on those. And, you know, if you're willing to stay just a tiny bit outside of the tourist area, they can be really cheap. So, I mean, I would definitely go for that. And then you get your own kitchen. You get a refrigerator. The kids can have cereal in the morning if they want it. You can pack a lunch so that you don't have to stop and, you know, spend a fortune at a cafe. You know, all this stuff, like, it it adds a little bit. And then you can have that nice dinner because you didn't go out for lunch and you saved on your breakfast and you stayed at a, a hotel that was off the beaten path. And, you know, maybe you don't want to bring your kids to a really nice restaurant, but you can can go find, you know, something. You might be able to save that money for something else. And you you can do it on the cheap. And, you know, for their own comfort, we found out, I think we were a couple trips in before we found out 
you can check every baby item for free. So <laughs> car seats, strollers, booster seats, it all gets checked for free. And then when you get where you're going, you don't have to pay for the booster. You don't have to pay for the car seat and they're in their own seat. So they're not complaining because the car seat doesn't fit right or they can't see out the window or whatever. So and I'll, I'll follow up with a tip on that too, because we do the same thing. And because we both have cars with car seats, so we, we had the little multiple car seats. We always packed the second set of car seats and had those in the bag ready to go. Like, we didn't try to unbuckle the car seat that we needed for the trip exactly. from our car. Those were ready to go. And so when we got there, we didn't have to like struggle with car seats. And when we got home, because usually we would get in yep. later, we didn't have to then reassemble them. So the only time we had to do it was when we'd get the rental car. But I yep. agree with you. Those things are great tips. And those like, if you go onto any like baby site, they're going to try to sell you the big fancy bags to put your car seat in. Go to the hardware store and you buy contractor really, really thick garbage bags, the really, really big ones, and you <laughs> shove that sucker in there and you use a zip tie. And it works every time. So, I mean, every now and then you get a little tear because they're not exactly gentle in the baggage handling area, but you know, you don't have to pay for all that fancy stuff. You just throw it in a trash bag. As long as your name is on it with a zip tie and it's not opening, it's fine. Like you said, you usually have a couple sets of these things. Don't use your fanciest ones on vacation. You bring the backup set, and if it gets a little tear in the fabric, who cares? You know, it's it's your backup set, or it's the, you know, the hand-me-down one, you know, whatever. But Well, we have the, Facebook has the Buy Nothing sites now, and I know it's all over the country. You can have a Buy Nothing site for your area. It's kind of like Craigslist used to be, and then there was... Free cycle, right? Free cycle yeah. was the old, and then, so now we have these buy nothing sites. This is a great time to post in search of car seat for travel and oh, search yeah. up, right now, go get a hand-me-down, something that you inspect and you feel like you can trust, but backup, backup stuff is the name of the game now. Amy oh, has yeah. backup backpacks full of travel stuff. So her kids just grab their travel bag and don't spend a ton of time putting in their most valuable current favorite toys, right? It's the new stuff. Yeah. Backup loveys for their trip so they don't bring the most important thing from home that if it ever got lost all hell would break loose right oh yeah well, backup we, car seats we left a blanket at the homewood suites before or somewhere maybe it was the homewood suites and i called and i said i know exactly where it is because i know where she slept and i know where it ended up it ended up you know shoved between the bed and the wall and they they claim it was not there and i'm like we never got it back but, you know, fortunately, she's old enough that it was all right. And but you will lose stuff. So definitely the backup set is the way to go. You bring you, the travel uh, articles. <laughs> you've never had luggage issues with all of this travel. I mean, you've been on a lot of plane trips and I, I have my heart is like, oh, my gosh, where's your is, have you ever had a luggage issue? I have not. Oh, it you're so lucky. I've my bag once, but it's. <laughs> This is like business travel. You're like, ah, oh, who cares? I'll get it tomorrow. And if you lose, you know, with business travel, if you lose your bag on the way to work, they just say, go out and buy a new wardrobe. <laughs> you go and you buy one. <laughs> you expense it. So that's great. But like, we've never had an issue with the kids, but we always have an extra set of underwear, an extra <laughs> outfit in the backpack that is on the plane with us. Yeah. 
And we cross, we cross our bags a little too. So we don't have like, where one family member who has one bag, the whole family member would be blocked, like wiped out. I have, I have a bath, like, like if we bring two sets of bathing suits, like they're in different bags. So like my, my, my oldest kids, like two bathing suits are not going to be lost in one fell swoop. Like, like, so there it's, it's a little strategically planned out so that I, one bag could go down and we could survive. (laughs) Wow. I've never done that, but I don't knock on wood here. Um, I haven't had an issue, but we also, so this goes back to planning and um, I generally will not put, you know, fly into Minneapolis at noon, leave Minneapolis at 12.30. I will not do a connection that tight with kids. Business, sure, because I have everything on me. I never, I never check a bag when I'm on business trip. I won't even do that with my husband because he can't move fast enough. <laughs> like, well, we gotta go. Thing. We move. This is a military. Like, yep. Go. You get off the plane and the kids are going to be like, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm hungry. I, you know, they're going to want to stop somewhere. So you do not have a tight connection. You know, know your airports because I know that I can get through Minneapolis in a certain amount of time. But I know that, you know, Miami, even though it seems small, it's going to take you longer. Don't connect and, through LAX. Uh, well, LAX, we had a whole other issue there. <laughs> LAX sucks. <laughs> but uh, you, you can plan for that. So if you plan for, you know, I can't get my butt across the airport in that amount of time, don't expect your bag to do it because they're not going to get it. So plan with kids. I wouldn't. I, I generally avoid anything less than an hour for a connection. You know, it gives you time to stop. It gives you time to for the kids to go to the bathroom, to pick up a snack, and give the luggage time to get from plane A to plane B. I mean, I know it sucks from a standpoint of it's not always the best option because you might end up in a place for two hours instead of one. But at the end of the day, you'll be more happy when you get there because you weren't racing between it and you didn't miss your flight and the luggage that was actually there when you got there. Well, and the layover is not as bad for kids either, you know, within reason, because we did that. um, We had a Chicago layover and I could have done the same thing. It was a business trip for me, but my family came and most, you know, there was a few other people I knew on the flight and you could have gotten the next flight to the connecting location, like a 35 minute layover. And I'm like, first of all, it's Chicago. So 35 minutes. No. Um, And I was traveling with a family of five. So no. So I did three hours later for my flight, you know, but like you guys both said, that's an adventure too. You know, we walked around the terminal a little bit. We saw a little, we, we had lunch at one of the restaurants, you know, stuff that I would never do really as a business traveler too much. Cause I want to just go, go, go and, and get where I need to go and get back home. But they still talk about the time we were in Chicago. Like they considered we visited Chicago for our three hour layover <laughs> in the airport, you know, and they've, you know, my oldest son is very, very certain that we have been to Chicago. Like we get to check Illinois off the list. Like we've been there, Whatever. but airports don't count. Come I on. know <laughs> we have that debate all the time, I've but been to so many places if you just count airports, but, <laughs> but, but the, you're, I think you're right that, that give yourself a little bit of, just just be kind to yourself it's yeah. don't be pushing it through the the airports because it's too much and you'll yeah don't don't use the travel day as the we're gonna get there and then we're gonna go do this use the travel day as we're gonna get there and we're gonna check into the hotel and we're gonna go get dinner that's what you're doing on your travel day because if you expect anything else of your kids other than that they're gonna be disappointed 
So like when we got to Minnesota, we got to Minnesota, we checked in the hotel, we went to sleep and that was it. You know, it was, they were exhausted. It was, it was pretty late because we had a un- unanticipated delay on that one. That was a, the flight coming into Bradley had hail and the whole windshield cracked. So then they had to get a new plane flown in from Minneapolis or Detroit or somewhere. And so we sat, you know, of all places that you don't want to have a delay, we sat in Bradley Airport for six hours. You know, like, I could have gone home. Yeah, I was just going to say, you could have gone home and then gone back. Yeah, but you didn't know because they kept saying, they wouldn't admit that it was going to be as long. And they kept saying they might get a plane. But at the end of the day, it ended up being like four to six hours that we sat at Bradley. And we got to Minneapolis and everyone was just like, I want to go to sleep. There, And if we had planned anything for that day... You know, we would have been disappointed. So you plan a travel day. You do nothing but travel on that day. And I even do that with work. Like, I will not I will not plan to get somewhere and then go to a meeting in the afternoon. I just, I know that that's going to be, it's going to be exhausting. And I'm going to have my luggage at my meeting. And I don't want that. And, you know, if I fell asleep and my hair is like this, you know, <laughs> no one wants that. So you never want to plan anything on travel day except travel day you know if you pay a little extra because of it then you pay a little extra it's okay you know you're on vacation it's okay to pay a little extra here and there Jen you're great and I hope (laughs) that you come back with us because there's really good insights we have a segment that we call ask better family travel and we we sometimes ask our guests and we actually didn't have a question ahead of time but i am going to create our ask our better family travel if you'd be willing because a good friend of mine who lives across the street who i talk about with travel all the time um who shall remain nameless i know that deep in her heart she wants to go and start traveling internationally with her family but i think that how to get started you know how What is, you know, I mean, the first step, obviously, is a passport, but it's overwhelming to so many people, the thought of traveling internationally. How do you approach international travel for someone who's mostly traveled domestically? I don't know, because I kind of think of them as the same. It's a new place. Sadly, even in the U.S., you know, you'll go somewhere and the kids may not understand the people as they're talking because they're talking too fast or they have an accent or, you know, who knows what. But like the big thing for international, I think, is when you get there and it's really a, all about planning like for for the plane you know it's going to be a long haul so where do you sit you know some people say oh i want bulkhead because i get more legroom but bulkhead has no under under the seat in front of you on a lot of planes so you may not want bulkhead some people want exit row for the same reason but guess what if you're in the first seat of a plane that has two exit rows you can't recline. So you're going to get where you go and you are going to be mad because you've been sitting like this the whole time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> planning from from the, the first piece to the end and, you know, the kids may not know the language, but it's okay. You know, they'll, they were actually, kids do better with that than adults. So, you know, do you, you might be frustrated. Do you Google? Do you say like traveling to Mexico, traveling to like how how do you get started on thinking about currency and where to stay and where do you where do you guys kind of start looking? Do you, you don't have a travel planner anymore, right? No, we don't. <laughs> but um well so far most of the places I've been, Mexico Mexico everything's cheap once you get there. It's just a matter of safety, so you have to think about where you're staying and how you're getting there. But once you're there, it's, you know, the, the kids don't know anything about that. They're not 
Unless you tell them to be scared, they're not going to be scared. Unless you tell them that, boy, it's really expensive, they don't know. They're just going to get the burger and they're going to be happy with it. <laughs> or the taco or whatever. International, I think with a currency exchange, that's more of an adult issue. If you go to somewhere like, so like Iceland, after having been there, I've been telling anyone who wants to go there, I said, you have to let go of the fact that the burger is going to cost you $20. You have to let it go. And you have to just get what you want to get. And you can look up some of the basics ahead of time and you know that food is going to be expensive. So just plan for it. Put aside the fact that in Iceland, it's going to cost you one to $200 per meal if you want to eat out. And just that's it. You put that aside. You let the kids get what they want because you're on vacation. You want to, you want to have a good time. You don't want to remember that, oh, we had to share dishes everywhere we went because we couldn't. We didn't want to spend that much. And, you know, there are a lot of places that are like that. Like, there are a lot of places where you, it's usually a, a trade-off. Either it's really cheap to get there and everything is expensive when you're there, or it's really expensive to get there, but it's somewhat cheap while you're there. Or there's Japan where it's really expensive to get there and it's really expensive while you're there. Ah, and that's that, where I wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime in the, in the future. Yeah. Start living now, right? Yeah. So like with traveling with kids, it's more about you, I think. If you can plan ahead and know that we're just going to relax and we're going to do X, Y, Z, they're going to have a good time and they're not going to think about it. If you get there and you go, oh, that's, no, you can't have the burger tonight. How about we go for the salad? They're going to go, mm, I don't want the salad, mom. I want the burger and fries. And, you know, that... I don't know if they'll remember that, but it will make it not as good of a trip if you're constantly looking at the prices or you're constantly looking at the weather, per se. You're like, oh, the weather sucks. We can't do what we want. Like, no, you can still do what you want, but... Prepare. You know, yeah. Prepare. Bring the right raincoat and the warm sweater. Yeah. With international, it's no different than U.S. It's just it's a, just a longer plane ride. <laughs> it's You get there and you treat it the same way. It'll, and it'll work out. <laughs> you, Jen. Thank you so much. I'm going to go start Googling something else. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. This was great. I really appreciate We both really appreciate you coming on. Amy, that was she, a great interview. <laughs> she was great. She was great. I really, I really loved when she started to get into it and talk about her just absolute passion for travel and how she makes it work. She went back to it a few times on, it's not perfect, right? She, the weather thing, she brought up the weather multiple times, right? Like, it's going to rain, it's going to be cold. It's, you know, whether it's in San Francisco with the, you know, with the fog rolling in and you're not packed for it. You can't prepare for every eventuality. You just, you have to get going. And I also liked, you know, while she, she loves travel and clearly... She also prioritizes what she's going to spend money on. You know, she talked about how, you know, the hotels, you know, that's where she tried to be strategic, but also things for peace of mind. You know, don't take the early flight, the first 6 a.m. flight, if you can help it. You know, if if you've got to choose where you're going to spend your money, maybe stay a little bit further outside the city for her, but take the flight that's not going to, like, totally sandbag you at the start of your trip. So I thought that was really great. Yeah. For better family travel, I'm Amy DeCesare. 
I'm Kathleen Monroe. Better Family Travel is proud to be part of the CMG Podcast Network. Be sure to visit clovercrestmedia.com for past episodes and over 30 different podcasts in a wide range of genres. And make sure to check out our website at betterfamilytravel.com for the latest tips, trends, experiences, and adventures. And make sure you follow us at Better Family Travel on social media at Better Family Travel on Facebook. Send in your questions to askb. EFT at betterfamilytravel.com.